So hello, assalamu alaikum and welcome to episode 5 of the Young, Muslim and Talented podcast. And today I'm really, really honoured um, to be graced with not just one guest, but two guests. Uh, we have Sajida and, and, and Macy from the Grace and Poise Academy in, in Tooting. Um, hi both, would you like to say um, um, hello to our listeners? Yeah, hi. So yeah, I'm, I'm Sajida. Alaikum. Hi, I'm Macy. So th- thanks, thanks so much for giving up your time on a Sunday morning to to talk to me. I, I really, really uh, appreciate that, and I'm sure my listeners do as well. So uh, as I understand, Grace and Poise is very unique in the sense that it tries to um, bring together two different art forms, which is ballet and poetry. But I'm really interested to hear about how you came up with that concept uh, and how did you both meet. And maybe if you want to tell us a little bit more about that story before we dive into what is it, what it is that you actually do and why you do it. Sure. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Um, so Maisie and I, uh, we were good friends before we became um, kind of business partners. We met back in 2018. Uh, I was new in London. Maisie had just uh, converted to Islam. And um, we kind of had mutual friendship on the basis of, you know, learning more about Islam. And uh, we found soon after that actually we were very passionate about child development. And, and I would tell her about all the things that I was learning and, and doing. And Maisie was talking to me about her journey with ballet. And, um, you know, eventually it became a matter of what, you know, what, you know, Maisie was at a junction point with where she wanted to go with, you know, her career in ballet. Um, and it was at that point that we kind of merged both our, our interests and our passions um, together to bring something very, very unique to the Muslim community. And Maisie can speak a lot more about the ballet side of things. And f- for me, it was I think it worked out very nicely between us because I have quite a, a significant background, um, you know, working with Muslim um youth and work in various Muslim organizations for the last 10 years and by the time I'd met Maisie I'd said to her you know there is so much need for something that you know we need to do something Uh, there's a great need for us to bring the ballet to the Muslim world there's a great need for us to you know develop our children the Muslim children and give them various um, platforms to develop skill sets and their identity Um, and so really that's where you know my my side of the story kind of or the side of the idea came about uh, and then we kind of complemented one another uh, and and Maisie you know has such an extensive background in ballet we kind of merged our two brains and we brought you know Grace and Poise together. That's that's really fantastic. So actually, Macy, so you you you've professionally trained with the Royal Academy of of Dance. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like? And uh, I I know we've you've previously shared a lot about how that's instilled different life skills and maybe talking to that aspect of of ballet. Yeah, sure. I mean. Um... I started ballet at the age of three, so relatively quite young, and it very quickly became something that um, I used to express myself emotionally. It was a way I sort of communicated artistically with the world, um, and it was something I used to physically train my body to give me such strength, but also train my mind. And the mental and emotional aspects, I think, uh, are something that quite often people aren't as aware of. Um, So really, I found that ballet you know, when I was growing up, gave me a creative outlet. Um, It gave me an explorative approach to learning. But 
you know, the key thing that I've really, really stuck to is that it's given me a sort of a mental training and a character development that stayed with me for life and I think these things are, that's why ballet became so so rooted in in who I was and my identity um so when I trained um I taught after I um graduated from the Royal Academy of Dance so I graduated with a degree in ballet education specifically and um then I taught and I did some freelance choreography and I ran a ballet company for a few years. And the reason it became such a prominent thing in my life was because when I was growing up, I felt that it gave me such determination, such um, sort of patience and perseverance in, in everything that I did and um, sort of memory retention and analytical ability towards learning. And it also really, really impacted me in terms of um, just the way that I, I built my character, you know, how, how I wanted to kind of achieve excellence in everything that I did. And, you know, now I'm a Muslim, I can see how much those those sort of concepts are um, you know, really, really vital to the raising of our Muslim youth. But um, that was basically why it was such an important for, thing for me growing up. And, um, yeah, I would say ballet would really have freed my soul and trained my mind and and sort of built my body and and so I feel like they're such essential aspects that when I met Sajida um you know I could see that there was something lacking in in our community in that you know many children couldn't kind of explore something as beautiful as this um so that's where we bonded and and the beautiful aspect of bringing poetry together with ballet it has such depth emotionally and mentally for the children because obviously poetry is such a beautiful art form and it has so many benefits in terms of connecting with words and meaning of words or dynamics of words and 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 they they can really communicate through their um, experience with poetry and ballet. So it, that's how we came together to sort of create something that, to be honest, in the ballet world is quite, um, it's never been done before at all in this yeah. format. Mm -hmm. No, it, it is absolutely um, a very, very unique. I'm interested in exploring a little bit more about those skills that you were able to develop um, through ballet, um, maybe a bit later in the conversation. But I just want to jump to you, Sajida. So your background is quite worlds away from from sort of ballet as I understand it. I mean, you had a degree in dentistry and psychology. I'm interested to understand how you transitioned or were able to transition into youth work and being passionate about child development and working with the Muslim community from sort of a, a background in dentistry and psychology. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, from a young age, I've always, you know, um, I've, I've always had a love for, you know, generally Islam and the Dean and I've attended a lot of you know, growing up, my parents sent me to a lot of study circles uh, and, and various things. And from a young age, I think I have I've always developed a passion for Islam. You know, I do believe it's just such a wonderful, perfect religion. And I've questioned a lot of things growing up. But I think as growing up, I think I started to see discrepancies between what Islam was as a religion to what Muslims were in reality or what, the, you know, what, what, you know, the state of the ummah. And, and I think you know, I really raised a lot of questions and I really pondered a lot about, you know, why is there this discrepancy? And I think through the journey of that, I, you know, I, 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 you know, in the meantime, I, I obviously went to university and I studied, um, you know, dentistry. And I always wanted to 
explore psychology. And I, you know, if it was that I didn't get into dentistry, it would have been psychology. But alhamdulillah, I had the opportunity to be able to actually explore both. Um, I, I love dentistry, you know, in terms of, you know, what it is as a service to people and the skill sets that it teaches you as an individual and managing patients and children and various skill sets. But I, I but specifically, I found that actually in dentistry, you know, my passion was also you know, anxiety management, how do you help, you know, children and young people and, and adults even through various difficult experiences when they come to the dentist or when they present themselves to hospital and there's trauma and all sorts of different aspects. So, you know, that, that, that's where kind of in dentistry and, and psychology fitted in. But to be more specific about the child aspect, you know, during the years of, you know, uh, being at university, I, I was very heavily involved in, you know, the mosque, uh, ISOC, FOSIS. I, I kind of was heavily involved in all sorts of Muslim activities. And I think there was a passion for, you know, I, I've been created for a purpose and I need to do my part. I've always been grown up with that, that you need to do something. And with with the fact that I felt that, you know, there was something you know, I, I because I understood there was a discrepancy between Islam and Muslims, I definitely felt that, you know, there needs to be an awakening, there needs to be an understanding of what's happening and what can we do about it. Um, and for me specifically, I find that um, working with children um, is, is, for me, I understand it to be a way of making an impact in the world because you are raising the future generation. Uh, and I'm very, very, very passionate about that. And I kind of merged all my interests in Islam, in psychology, with working with children. And, you know, I worked, you know, I set up a scouts group and I worked with mosque, uh, um, you know, youth groups. So I worked in various capacities. And just from it all, I, I kind of just came to this, over the years, my passion for we need to make a change and we need to make a change through, you know, the generation that we're raising. I'm finding that when I work with youngsters, they're ashamed of sometimes being Muslim. They're ashamed to, you know, they say their full Muslim name or say Assalamu Alaikum or, you know, there's so many different aspects. And I think I've grown up to just be so disheartened by it. And 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 I just, I feel really, really passionate that Islam needs to kind of, come alive in Muslims and to make that beautiful impact that Islam should have to civilization in the way that it did when it came down to the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, uh, over 1400 years ago and it, and it turned, you know, Jahiliyyah to a, a great civilization. And I feel that we, we need, you know, there is, we're far from that, but we are on a journey to get there. And I think that's where I've come in with, okay, we need to make a change. We need to tap into our youth and how can we make, you know, make that positive impact in society. So that was kind of my mindset. And that's how I definitely merged that with Maisie's skill sets and her passions. And we, you know, we feel really passionate about we really can make an impact. And how can we do that? Obviously, we're breaking a lot of molds, but mm -hmm. that's fine. You know, we're passionate about it and we can we can get through as much as we can. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting at the end you mentioned about breaking through moles. I definitely want to explore some of those potential barriers, both invisible um, and the ones that we know about that you both had to go through or break through in, in order to do what you do today. Uh, but before we jump to that, um, Macy, I'm particularly kind of interested to get your view on what Sajira just said around the discrepancy between, you know, how Muslims should be viewed in the world and what we currently are kind of um, projected as, uh, particularly because I, I guess you, you reverted to Islam maybe two years ago. Um, I also would like to explore how your relationship with ballet and your career has now evolved and changed as a result of you reverting to Islam. 
So I think um, I converted, um, you know, just short of two years ago now. And before my experience to Islam, my whole identity surrounded my career or, you know, my family and aspects like that, as, as it would. And uh, but primarily for me, my identity was really connected with my career. And um, ballet was something that I'd done from such a young age that it had shaped me so much so that when anybody asked, who are you, you know, what, what are you, what's your purpose in life? It was always rooted to ballet. Um, and I think that in itself has been quite a major shift for me. When I found Islam, I realized very quickly that my purpose is much greater and everyone's purpose is much greater. And so I started to fill that, I started to fill my heart essentially with Allah rather than um, with things that are inconsistent. And I have always found this so fascinating that the only thing in this life that's consistent is Allah because the world is inconsistent around us. So, you know, we have to be first attached to Allah and then attach the you know what we can kind of give to the world um, and how we interact with the world and so that's where ballet shifted for me from being my purpose to being a means to my purpose um, and that for me is is the fundamental sort of my fundamental drive in doing this because like Sajida if I hadn't done ballet I've always been so passionate about children so for me you know really making an impact with people is, is a big part of why I love what we do and so I realized that I could make this transition and there were things that we had to evaluate in how to kind of uh, evolve ballet in the way that we've known it to be something that would be more suited to our community and more sort of uh, supportive of our community. But actually those aspects became quite simple for us. It was more kind of getting, um, kind of getting these fundamental um, purposes, like, you know, sort of laid down because for us, our fundamental purpose, it goes beyond ballet. It's about giving opportunity, like Sajida said, to a much greater purpose um, and facilitating that character. So for me, you know, that, that change to change of lifestyle and finding Islam it only made me realize how much my history um, had shaped me towards finding Islam. You know, the way that I'd raised my, my character through ballet, it made me want to seek excellence. And I think that mindset drew me to Islam because it, it just gave me this, this space to want more, constantly want more. And I think that's such a beautiful um, aspect. So now I'm kind of, the change has mainly been that I've now filled myself with Allah and now I've got this purpose to serve Allah through what we do. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Sajid, I'll, I'll jump back to you because you mentioned something um, previously around going through this phase of exploration exploring your relationship with your faith when you were younger and I think you mentioned an organization I don't know if it's an organization called circles of of knowledge or was that just through circles of knowledge in terms of people that you knew um, how important was that phase in in your life in kind of shaping your ideals about what you want to do now um, with your career I mean this this bigger purpose that you both talk about so passionately and I, I you know it's the same reason I do what I do um, I, I just I'm trying to get to the heart of where has where, where that has come from yeah um, so it, it was just generic you know study circles you know that you know your, your parents send you to you know to um, mm. you know people of knowledge and you know with youngsters your age as you know as teenagers that you sit down and learn about Islam and who Allah is and, and various um, you know key subjects if you like when it comes to your religion um so 
I mean, I think for me, it was when I, it was probably when I was a teenager and I, I just remember sitting in these study circles and, you know, learning Islam and just, I found that, that it really, that it's the discrepancy that I referred to earlier that really has stuck with me for a long time. You know, I found that Islam in theory was just, just so wonderful and it has the capacity to change people from, you know, a state of heedlessness to a state of productivity and efficiency. And it turned, you know, Islam, you know, when you learn the history of so many companions, that it really turned people's lives around. You know, people gave up their wealth and all various aspects because they loved Islam so much. And I just thought, well, if Islam is that powerful and it can have that impact, then why, you know, why is, you know, why is there so much you know, suffering in the Muslim world, you know, on a wider scale and on why are people, you know, there are so many problems, you know, in the Muslim community. And I just, that has always stuck with me from being a teenager to be like, well, what is it? You know, what is it? What is, why is it one thing? And why is reality something else? Where have we gone wrong? Because surely right now Muslims should be pioneers, you know, as they were during the golden age or, you know, in Spain, that we should be pioneers leading the way you know, where did we go wrong? And I think that key question has always stayed with me. And I've always been keen to question. I I think I think being reflective is really important. I've always been really reflective about everything around me. I look around, I question, I ask, I explore, I read into it. I don't just, I'm not satisfied with just a simple answer. Well, if it doesn't make sense, I want to understand more. And I think, alhamdulillah, I've been really, really blessed that, um, you know, I, um, you know, got into university at, at Leeds and I moved, um, to Leeds and at the time you know I felt like the most devastating thing that I, I, you know my friends were all going to university and I was leaving home and I was going somewhere else but subhanAllah I never realized that that was um, you know Allah had put me there because that was where I found a lot of my answers and a lot of clarity and understanding to all those questions that I'd grown up asking um, so alhamdulillah it's you know been a great blessing in my life that as well as you know studying there that I met wonderful um, community leaders and I found um, an ex- so many um, explanations that I've always um, you know, been seeking. And I think that has shaped me significantly to who I am today, because I feel that I don't practice Islam because, you know, oh, I, ju- I just practice it because it's what my family did or what my friends did or what, you know, what the community did or what that was, you know, I didn't do it because it was what was expected of me. But I, I think over time, because I kept questioning, a lot of things that I do, be it prayer to an hijab to, you know, various religious aspects, it's because it's, there's a conviction. I understand why I do this. I, I understand the greater purpose of why I do this. I understand that I wasn't just created just for, you know, just to pray and fast. Actually, there's so much, so much, you know, something much more greater than that. And if we tap into this bigger purpose, that actually, you know, we will unleash, you know, from within us a greater potential to make a really positive impact in the world and be pioneers like people were many years ago, whether that was during the Prophet's time or or during the golden era in in Spain. So, you know, I I hope that answers the question. No, 100%. I think in in previous podcast episodes, we've really explored this um, concept of you finding your own connection with your faith. And I think the challenge is that a lot of youngsters, like, for example, myself, went to an Islamic school. If you're unfortunately surrounded by people who are telling you that actually questioning things and, you know, is the wrong thing to do, then it, it, your, your worldview becomes automatically very narrow. Um, and, and, you know, it was only until college that I had then the opportunity to read, you know, books potentially by 
philosophers or other points of view on things and start forming my own view on on how I should practice my religion, you know. And I think that that, that personal relationship with your faith is so important in finding that higher purpose that 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 you talk about because mm -hmm. then it comes from a place of passion not just a place of i'm doing something because this is the way that i'm told to do it or i have to do it because my family and my friends expect me to do it in a certain way yeah it's um, interesting that you actually mentioned that because mm -hmm. i i went to an islamic school uh, mm -hmm. high school and mm -hmm. that again was a significant you know um had a significant impact because in growing up, well, being in that school, a lot of the time it was, you do this because you just do this. You know, we, we used to pray jama'ah, you know, prayer together in congregation. But I could, you know, girls, at every opportunity to sneak away, yeah. they yeah. would. And in the fire exits or like just hiding away. Know, hiding in yeah. bathrooms and doing yeah. all sorts of different things. And, you know, hijab was, we had to wear it in a certain way. And actually, as soon as girls could rebel, they would immediately mm -hmm. rebel. And, uh, you know, what I actually saw was, to be honest, I was like, wait, what? You know, is this really what raising, you know, the, the next generation looks like? Because it's not right. You can't, you know, in, in in an RE class, we never got taught why prayer is important or why we wear hijab. You know, you don't question those things. And I, and I think that's sad. I think it's sad that you can go to an Islamic school and actually, you know, get told that Islam is like that. You just should just do it. Don't question it. So I want to talk about how that has potentially, um, you know, made both of your jobs slightly more difficult in the sense that you have to try and win over the hearts and minds of some parents who potentially think in a very certain rigid way um, and almost, you know, open up the world of um, ballet and and poetry to them. Um, so not many Muslims probably consider ballet as a career prospect or, you know, it's not something that uh, people aspire to do. So, so, so Macy, maybe you could talk a little bit more about the importance of arts, you know, and how we can put it back up on a pedestal, especially particularly in the Muslim community. Um, yeah, so I think um, our approach, just to kind of explain it for those listening, is um, we do offer our classes are structured so that we have female only teachers and the classes cater for modesty in that there's always um, a private space for practice in that in that respect. So we are respecting uh, female modesty in the way that we should. And um, when we talk about any sort of performance aspects, for us, the way that we put things forward is that we have ladies-only audiences. So we are being really respectful of girls from a very young age as they grow up. We do go into Islamic schools and there are little boys that participate because you know early years when you've got children that are two or three or you know four or you know just very very small children and um, we're talking about basic coordination basic control um stability stamina strength all of those other aspects flexibility um and then we've got the emotional aspects in terms of connecting with the story expressing yourself and um, non-verbally 
Um, and then we've got all the cognitive development as well that goes along with that. So this is invaluable to children at those early stages because it builds these transferable fundamental skills. And so this is why um, Islamic schools particularly like what we do, we're doing because it's something that their children haven't been able to explore um, it so holistically before. You know, ballet has so many benefits and in, especially with poetry. So it branches out into so many sort of areas of child development that it really holistically raises the child. So we offer it in that context, but in our um, evening academy, which we run with an examination process, the children can have, we do have mixed classes under the age of, I believe, five or six. So the idea is we, we're providing that space for those skills to be developed. But as they get older, we do have to be respectful of modesty, um, which is why we then have girls only classes and um, female teachers. And with that, with that aspect, I think Many parents kind of, uh, the big questions we had were, you know, where is this going? What if my daughter loves this and she wants to be a ballerina? Am I encouraging her to do something that then is going to compromise her faith later on? And actually, we thought very, very long and hard about this when we set it up. And our model that we promote is that, you know, we can offer this into adulthood with these um, sort of, uh, this context of providing a modest um sort of set up for these for these girls training but as they get older um, the, the promotion that we're, we're sort of putting forward in terms of any career prospects. And again, this is, you know, the majority of our student basis, they, they're going to want to do many other different careers. It's only, you know, a couple of, you know, one or 2% of our population that may want to actually do something with ballet. But what we want them to be able to know is that it's not a dead end. And so we've set up a process so that these, these girls can train with us to that high standard, that professional standard, and they can become part of our teaching cohort. We want to really really expand you know offer this in as many places as we can so this is our way of this going beyond me and Sajida you know we know we're going to get older one day you know we won't be able to do this forever um, no one lives forever so we want this to be something we pass on um, so that's kind of the model of of how it develops and the other benefit that we always talk about uh, is you know all these transferable skills but our examinations inshallah should hold UCAS points for university so as our children get into their teenage years and they've really really worked hard these skill sets are recognized you know when they go to a university or they go for a job application what they've been doing with us looks really really powerful on their cv um so this is the kind of aspect for the majority of our children it's about raising them for anything that they want to do it's going to help them with that inshallah and so how have the Muslim community reacted to that? Because you've really clearly articulated the benefits of that. You know, I mean, I, I would love to send, inshallah, if, if we ever have kids um, in the near future, you know, to, to your school. Um, have you faced any resistance? And, and what would you try to say to try and reach out to that population? Because uh, the reason I ask this question is because we do have this habit of always, you know, appealing to the people who actually are, in a sense, more open-minded like us and are willing to listen. But really, the child who might need the most help sits in that family whose parents are, might not be willing to be as open-minded and, and give them that opportunity. And sometimes I think we have to fight a little bit harder to try and win over those hearts and minds. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I mean, Sajida can speak about this a bit, a bit more, but um, I found that the the ways of adapting ballet to the Muslim community with regard to modesty and, you know, uh, supporting them so they don't compromise faith, that was relatively easy because actually what we do really supports their faith. You know, it, it gives them that strong identity, especially we, when we run workshops or our poems talk about good character and good morals. We really connect with them on that basis. And the way we teach... You know, we Sajid is really, really passionate about you. She can speak about this more, but you know, making sure that the way we educate the child is in line um, with the sunnah of raising a child. And so we really teach them these invaluable concepts, you know, how to be kind, how to be grateful, how to be patient, how to help others, how to be a lovely member of the class. You know, we really support that. Um, but I think a key aspect is is helping these children to think independently. So like Sajida growing up, she can think, I know why I'm a Muslim, I know why my faith is the first thing in my heart you know the most prominent thing in my heart um because they've not just been told to they've actively engaged with it and made this decision because we've allowed them we've supported them and facilitated them to think independently and be confident in who they are um but i think the main battle that sagittal probably speak about is the education you know the assumption of what ballet is um and the education of these benefits of extracurricular activities because quite commonly we find there's a problem with the muslim community thinking beyond the stem subjects thinking about the benefit of the arts or the benefit of um extracurricular activities to support that holistic child development so i think that's what we've been um you know battling wouldn't you say saj yeah definitely no it's definitely i think the number one factor is once we've overcome the other obstacles of oh you know ballet isn't you know it's not compatible with islam which we've overcome now that the next big obstacle is definitely the aspect that our community are still hardwired thinking that you know my child needs to excel in the core subjects they need to be very very academic we need to get tutors for them we need to support them academically as much as we can um with the mindset thinking that that's all there is that's that kind of that's a, that's what determines a successful individual in the future whereas that's not really the full picture and, and trying to educate the community to understand that there's so much more to that not because we say so but actually because in reality you know universities and job um, jobs are looking for you as a whole person they don't just look at what you have acquired uh, you know at GCSE or at university they want to know what you do in your spare time they want to know what hobbies you do they want to know what sports you play because all these things Things demonstrate, uh, you know, life skills and life skills mean that you will be, you know, you'll do better in life and in your job because you'll be able to problem solve, you'll be able to communicate, you'll be able to lead a team or work with a team. Um, and, and they find that that's more effective in, you know, the success of jobs and businesses than somebody who comes in with just you know the academic background and just the theory um, and so you know we're trying to educate the community understand that you know not just not you know to be successful you know for your child to grow up to be successful in the way that you want them to be you actually need to give them more than just the the um, academic support they need extracurricular but not the dip in dip out extracurricular activities where they actually find the extracurricular activities that the child really enjoys and that they commit to that and, and that your child doesn't just give up you support them through the challenges so they can persevere and and, and get through that so they can acquire you know really good skill sets skill sets you know we need skill sets like patience and perseverance and willpower all of which is 
essential as a Muslim that you need because, you know, your faith is, you know, there is challenge, you know, to be, to, to elevate yourself from the state of Islam to Iman to Ihsan requires a lot of persistence and patience and, and focus. And so, you know, these skill sets will give you both a success in the deen um, and in the dunya. And so, you know, trying to have the community understand that is definitely our obstacle continues to be so and we're always trying to think outside the box how can we overcome this how can we get people to understand this and you know i think you know this will be a journey for us to you know reflect on still in the future because we're still working on it but one thing we have found to be effective is as you mentioned you know children who most you know that need it the most are probably the, the ones that we need to try and um kind of you know reach out to or you know they're the ones that we need to try and break the barriers um, four is is us by us going into schools actually is is a key model for us because you know parents might not otherwise think about it. Whereas if we mm-hmm. can go into schools and be part of the curriculum, um, then actually we can ensure that if the child you know didn't have that opportunity otherwise they have had that opportunity and that opens up their their scope of knowing what there is out there that they can actually seek and do um and you know one thing that we feel passionate about is actually you know um finding the funding that we can actually go into schools with children maybe that come from you know more um you know more deprived areas or you know or come from a lower socioeconomic um group and we want to be able to actually support that child so that they you know can optimize their cognitive development and various aspects so that we can help to set them up for a better life ahead of them to be a better muslim to be a better citizen um and you know a holistic overall you know better person inshallah mm-hmm. inshallah no i mean what you both say completely resonates with me because i was one of those kind of kids who always like you know excelled of all of this stuff outside of academia right so i just got involved in all the extracurricular stuff all the way through university and i somehow ended up learning skills like you talk about you know cognitive flexibility or discipline or even just getting the right posture you know it's so important and people don't know about it right if they don't know about it they can't really teach the kids about it so no i I really think what you both you know it's absolutely fantastic fantastic i mean we've we've um you know got through the most of um our podcast but what we like to do right at the end is just ask a few sort of almost fun-based questions but i also like to throw in some deep questions in there as well so um you both talked about um legacy and the importance of legacy and so i wanted to hear from you from you both um what the ultimate legacy or vision for grace and poise is is it you know to become the next sort of i don't know bolche bolchoi ballet company or you know the london royal um academy or like you know what is the ultimate vision for grace and poise um okay uh, I'll, 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 I'll we have it. big dreams we you know we've only been running for about 18 months but actually you know where we see ourselves going um i mean we we hope to be you know the academy the muslim ballet school academy that doesn't just run in london we hope to actually have branches um you know all around the world inshallah one day I, we know this is not going to happen you know next year we know this is you know a good 
20, you know, 30 year plan. This might actually not happen in our lifetime, but that's the dream that we're actually, we want to be able to reach as, as many, you know, when we want to be the go-to academy in every Muslim community that actually, you know, we're, we're just popping in, you know, to, to do classes with Grace and Poise Academy. But really it's, it's more so that we want our ethos to, to spread. You know, it's not just about ballet. Really, you know, our ethos is, we want to train our teachers who will train the students who will be future teachers and hopefully spread this across the world that you know ballet is a tool a tool for you to acquire skill sets so that you can be a better muslim and a better you know a whole you know well-rounded person in general that actually you know you need to serve your purpose to allah and this will be a tool to help you serve your purpose pe- better and and i think we want that dream to to be widespread everywhere we hope we can make that change in the future generations by instilling that from a young age that determination the skill the passion to you know the creative thinking um and you know that's kind of on a wide scale what we want to achieve but on more scales you know we have all these little dreams of being in all different schools and running shows and 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 big 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 events and you know ballerina eid parties and 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 um just kind of just change the whole you know you know we hope that one day you know when you say you know muslim ballet People don't think about ballet in general that, you know, holds them mm-hmm. back from being involved with ballet. We hope that it'll be like, it's like a whole new concept. It's like, oh, yeah. of course. It's like yeah. a whole new Islamic art form. That's our dream. We've made a, we've invented a new Islamic art form that, inshallah, gets adopted and, and thrives, but but by no means ever you know, compromises faith. Our our duty to Allah is to enhance our faith through this. Um, so people think, well, I compromise, but actually our bigger dream is no, this will elevate you, this will lift you, this will raise your faith, inshallah. I mean, I hope one day you can also, you know, offer what you offer for adults because God knows we yeah. also need the same types of education. I mean, I've I started reading Islamic poetry recently and there was this um sheikh called ahmadu bamba and he was actually a senegalese um sort of um mystic or sufi mystic and his poetry is absolutely beautiful it's so deep and like you know you have to read it like hundreds of times just to get it but it kind of softens your heart but also broadens Mm -hmm. your perspective on things and our world needs that right so our communities need that so yeah yeah and I think that's the beautiful aspect of poetry for me I'd worked with music for years and this just goes so much deeper because you have to connect with morals and deeper meaning and you know the kids say to me Miss Maisie you know this poem's all about clouds so my movement's got to be light it's got to be soft it's got to be airy and they Mm -hmm. get it and Saj and I always have a giggle because they know all the words and they say it back to us in class they say all poetry back to us subhanallah and it's just so beautiful because like you said we need that depth so yeah alhamdulillah it's beautiful fantastic um so i i just want to ask how how you guys are getting on in the whole lockdown period so how has it affected the academy have you had to transition to sort of online we did do online we've done online uh, we have to be very very mindful of the modesty aspect so because we know our mums that come to ballet we have let it be just something that's for our existing students and especially because you know I believe very strongly that these art forms have to be taught firsthand when you're learning them you know for the first time because there's a lot of technical aspects with the body and I believe in that precision and that excellence in training and not kind of doing any damage so we've just worked with our existing students 
evidence. They've been practicing at home online with pre-recorded videos. Um, and we trust our mums that they're very, very mindful of what we need in that respect. But a big part of what we've been doing is uh, we're very excited about our poetry time, um, which is me and other guest uh, ladies reading poetry um, to younger children to get them really engaging um, with, with some of the beauty beautiful aspects of poetry and they do a lot of guessing about what the poems are about and it's very fun so I think that's something Sajda and I've got very excited about um, building so we can really push the poetry side of things a little bit more as well. Great and uh, so we end off with this like little sort of fun um, round where I kind of just say words that I think might be slightly sort of important or or have some sort of resonation with, with you both and just i mean talk about the first thing that comes to your mind it could be one word it could be a sentence or or anything uh, i'll start off with you sajira so the first word i have for you is development <laughs> children <laughs> children <laughs> that's the first thing i'm always talking about child development <laughs> I, I think given what we just spoke about that totally makes sense <laughs> um macy i have purpose for you Islam. My other word was actually Islam, so. And <laughs> <laughs> I would have said purpose. <laughs> um, Sajira, I have poetry. Um, creativity. Creativity. And last word for you, Macy. So, um, kids. Freedom. Freedom. I also I also always think about kids as like innocence, you know, as well as like yeah. if the world could be like I mean so I work in the corporate world and sometimes I just I was like if if we could just be kids around the table instead of really yeah. <laughs> just be so much easier to get things done. <laughs> um so Jazakallah for to, to you both for giving up your time again on a Sunday morning. I really appreciate it. It was really interesting chat for me and I learned a lot about two things that I, you know, was not very well versed on before this conversation. So I really really appreciate that um, if you have liked this conversation please do comment like subscribe and share with your family and friends but for now it's uh, assalamu alaikum from me and... alaikum assalamu 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 al